Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, we got Sir Nick Faldo on the podcast this week, 16th year at CBS lead analyst in their golf team with, of course, Jim Nance in the 18th Tower. He's starting out at Torrey Pines this week. I spoke with Nick last week. It was on Friday, the 21st of January. So he refers to, of course, hey, next week we're looking forward to Torrey Pines and, and the season ahead. So hopefully that gives you some context. But I'll tell you what, the Masters is coming up. And we have so many great little stories from Nick about that. And also how he's played the course over the years. What's been the key uh, for players to close out strong at Augusta? So uh, that's huge. As well as St. Andrews and the Open Championship. It's coming up the 150th version. <laughs> it's really exciting. I love that golf championship, that tournament, but also the venue. So he's got some great stories from 1990 when he won. Of course, some amazing stories as well when he won the other two Opens at Muirfield in 87 and 92. So some really fun stuff there. If you love Lynx golf, there are some amazing nuggets that Nick tells you about how strategy and just the right attitude and mindset for Lynx golf as it relates to St. Andrews and, and these famous courses there in Scotland. So really tangible stuff. Hope you enjoy it. Before we get to that Encore Golf, the innovation advantage. Encore's premium high-performance golf balls are engineered to help players of all skill levels become better golfers. The Vero X1 is a really good example. I've been using that the last, oh, I want to say 16, 17 months. It's really been a game changer for me. Distance is there off the tee. Chipping, touch, and feel is there as well. So check out EncoreGolf.com. Let's get to it. You can use my promo code B, the letter B, Clubhouse, to get 10% off when you order online from EncoreGolf.com. Nick Faldo on Beyond the Clubhouse. I'm pleased to be joined by my next guest, Nick Faldo. As you know him as a three-time Masters champion, three-time Open champion as well, and he's entering his 16th season as a CBS lead analyst there uh, with Jim Nance. And uh, Nick, how you doing today? How's it going? I'm very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a Zoom day today. <laughs> <laughs> like like many of us during this time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I got to ask you: you look at the the events on CBS this year as we look towards the season. Twenty events, four different countries. What are you looking forward to most when you look at the schedule? Yeah, it's funny. I'm looking forward to getting started next week. You know, we're on countdown. We fly Monday. We we survey the land uh, and a few players on Tuesday, and then off we go next Wednesday. So obviously, we we got that uniqueness of going Wednesday Saturday. So we, which is a great idea to accommodate NFL, and you know, and um, Jim won't be. Jim will be at the game. <laughs> So I'll be in my tower with the my my uh, partners Frank and and Ian, which will be fine because we we've already did a you know the COVID season how to do that with not having been apart, so that will all work well. No, I'm really looking to get going. West Coast is always great. You know, we stay nice hotels on either on the golf course or very close to the golf course. Great scenery, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to get just getting started. 
Well, there's there's a couple. Well, there's a new event that I'm looking at specifically, uh, the Genesis Scottish Open there. Yeah. Not too far from where you won your first Open Championship, of course, in the yeah. East, Lo- East Lothian area. This is at Renaissance Golf Club, probably two miles from Muirfield. So much great history for you. Over the wall. Yeah, the other side of the wall to, <laughs> to Muirfield. So, yeah, when that was coming on, they uh, sellers text me and I, I said, well, I'm there. I'm already going to be there. I'm going over <laughs> early. And you know, hopefully I'm going to go to Ireland. A um, couple of days, play in uh, your yeah, there manor pro am, and then work my way across. So I will do, um, yeah, and then we will do the Scottish at the weekend. That'll be nice. That'll be great. And I'm going to stay on, and I'm going to call the open as well. So yeah, that's going to be my little Irish Scottish trip uh, in the summer. What can you tell uh, golf fans about about that course, Renaissance Golf Club? Have you been there much, or I know you at least know the I- area. Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't played it, uh, seen it. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's in the in the trees there, which is quite unique. So it's not really true. It's not really Scottish, you know. So, uh, which is a shame. They, you know, they normally have it on a links. Um, so, uh, I've only stayed there. I actually stayed there in a house uh, with with Henrik Stenson when he finished second at the Open couple of years back i i hosted henrik so uh um so i haven't don't know a lot about the golf course but more that it will play more um well it obviously is an inland golf course so it will play softish which is a shame yeah yeah not so much the bounce and rolls yeah um, that you're accustomed to with with links golf um when you look at the schedule overall pga tour season the rest of the season i should say the wraparound what who do you expect to have the biggest year at this point? I know there's a lot of guys playing well, Hovland's playing well, Rom, yeah, can't lay. Well, you know, they I thought we were in for an exciting season because you know, you've got Colin John and Hideki, uh, as the young major champions to start with that from last year. And what were they doing? And Hideki's already come off one, hit that incredible three wood at 17. Sorry, at 18 to in the playoff, he hit an unbelievable, I assume, five wood at San Diego a couple of years back from that right hand bunker onto that front left flag, which was one of the greatest shots I've ever seen. So he's just hit another one. Um, John Rahm, as we said, started at two months off playing with his brand new baby and, you know, and shot 33 under, whatever it was, for second. Um, Collins you know, warming up slowly. So, you know, it'd be interesting what they do. And then, you know, I was a couple of guys I was pushing all year with my fan duel picks with, you know, with Sam Burns and Taylor Gooch. I was picking them literally and they've really shone now. So I think they, they guys are bubbling under. And then the other story, of course, you've still got Rory Jordan and Phil looking for a grand slam. So that's another cool story, isn't it? And then Tiger, who knows what Tiger will Hopefully, we can get that uh, that right ankle really working well. That's his biggest thing, I guess. Uh, whether Tiger may venture out on a nice flat goal course, I don't know yet. We shall see. Yeah, yeah. As you said, there's a lot to be uh, to look ahead to. Maybe a flat course, but but when would you predict or or guess? Maybe we might see Tiger. I know you saw him at the father son event in December. Yeah. But- well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to guess anything, but, you know, he, he's going step by step. I mean, number one, I mean, he was, I was very impressed how 
activity was at the father and son, you know, wandering around on the range, backwards and forwards. But, you know, you've got to be able to stand on your two feet, you know, as in a tournament. I mean, minimum, minimum of six hours a day, more likely more, absolute minimum. So can you, I mean, that I would have thought after what he's been through, might that might be one goal. I don't know. I mean, you know, we guess always guess who we target. I mean, the next goal is can he walk a golf course? You know, can he walk 18 holes uh, comfortably? And then can he walk five days? That's the next. You've got to do a minimum of five days at a tournament. So put all of that together. And then, then all I know, actually from Tiger's words, were, you know, the ankle is not quite, you know, being able to do this. Mm. Flexibility. Mobile, or yeah. Range of motion. So, you know, walking flat and whether he gets that, you know, because a lot of people straight away, well, get started Augusta. And I said, well, that's actually the hardest walk on tour. <laughs> no, it really is. It's the hardest walk because there's so much downhill off the tee, so much down. Before you, and so you actually will get shin splints that that week, mm. even if you're fit and healthy. So, um, so now it's you know it's now it's very it's physical. You technically look really good. I mean, his waist is about 28, and his shoulders are 48. I mean, he's he's lifted. So he's he's basically going to use the top half to overpower. You know, to drag this leg around. Um, so he did look very impressive. Yeah, he's got the perfect V going there. He's got the, yeah, he's got the wedge, yeah. <laughs> which, which you don't have when you're 65. Right. I've got one. I've got one. I've got one ab. We call it the one ab. <laughs> the one ab. So I'm trying to get the six pack back, but at the moment I've got the one pack. Uh, so I love I've it. Got to work on it. <laughs> well, I love that you mentioned Augusta. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, but I, I do want to see, like, in 2022, what would you feel would be your boldest prediction? Like where you could look at, you know, you bank on this, everyone. I would bank on this. Wow. You could just straight in asking me all sorts of. Um, um, I thought the rise of Sam Burns. I mean, I call, I picked that last year at uh, Riviera. Uh, Riviera. Yeah. yeah, yeah Riviera. Nice. He was a hundred one shot. I said, hey, watch this guy. Might, might win this. Week. He finished second. <laughs> and then I then went on, boom, boom, boom. You know, physically, very good. So, you know, I might go with a, that's a pretty good outside shot to say he will have a real standout year. So that, uh, whether, what that means, don't know. Um, but we've got, obviously, four very interesting majors to compete against in the rubber, you know. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I keep tipping that guy. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'll, I'll stick with that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the final group experience that he got there at Riviera and some of those big situations against a strong mm. field that, that can always go a long way. I feel like, cause it, Riviera is always one of the best fields of the year. So um, you were ahead of Nostradamus on uh, on a pick of that. Yeah. yeah. Ram, Ramadamus. I got yeah, Ram, <laughs> Ram, Sorry. Ramadamus. Yeah. Well, looking at the first major, who do you like in general, um, to you know Augusta so well, you played it so yeah. many times. You even brought your your son Matthew there. You played it in ma- many years, many years. Um, who do you like among today's players? With their yeah, name? the most obvious, the most obvious is Colin Morikawa. You know, he's a, the most obvious one on paper because uh, it is all about your irons. It's all about distance control. I mean, real distance control. I mean, you are you are literally given plus or minus a yard to land your ball at Augusta you know, over a ridge, next to an edge, over, a, you know, 
a false edge, false side. So, and you've got to be, just be very patient, smart, calculating, put the put the reins on yourself just because there's a wedge in your hand. You doesn't, you've still got to think, mm, if this doesn't quite, this doesn't stop where I think it's going to stop, I need to give myself a, just a couple, you know, left or right of the flag will give you a couple more yards of room. Little things like that. Um, you know, I love the way he putted crumbs for, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it, I, you know, you look at stats. So stats meant nothing on the uh, on the back nine of uh, the Open when he hold what three really crucial putts. So uh, and then later in the year, and then what he did in uh, Race Dubai. Yeah, my goodness. I mean that back nine as well. I mean, they, so yeah, I think he's a, he's already proven a, a player who, when he really wants it, needs it, um, can make it happen. Mm. When you watch on Sunday, you're calling the action at Augusta. What do you feel is the most common mistake that we see from players on the Sunday, the pressure of a Sunday, or maybe it's the back nine, but uh, what seems to get to them? Well, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't call it a mistake. Um, you know, that's, it's such a demanding golf course. You know, you've got to hit a couple of shots in the right place at the you know right angles, all that sort of thing. If you keep putting that together, you know these guys can do that. They know what to do. Um, I mean, simply the, you know the, the, I suppose the only mistake is which again I wouldn't call it a mistake. Okay, I wouldn't, gotcha. call, it, I wouldn't call it a mistake because it's it's so demanding. You, you really are demanding picking the right club in a swirling breeze to land in the right spot. Uh, people know how to play. They know they know when to be aggressive and not. Um, the fascinating one was adrenaline with Hideki last year. You know that's uh, yeah, that's that was yeah <laughs> wow because he, he hit that tee shot at uh, uh, oh sorry battery I got ten God blimey hope we hope I survived ten more darn it battery power. Um, he hit that tee shot at 13. He was still going up when he hit the trees over the fairway. 14, he smashes it up the hill, doesn't he? So then he stood on, on the hill and then whoops it over. Again, thrashes a four iron and hits it miles, at 20 extra yards pulled through the air. So, you know, that's something to really be conscious of, Augusta, adrenaline. Wow, boy, because you are, you are in a cauldron playing for your, possibly your first green jacket and that one really can get, because you're such a fine line, if you, you know, adrenaline does not help you if you land it 10 yards further apart from a tee shot. Anywhere else, you've got to be able to dial it back down again. You know, mm. so can you, so that's, that's that's would be the, the thing I would think is the hardest thing to rein yourself in when you're really getting excited about it. You've got to then push it back down and try and stay as even as you can mm. well speaking of saying even remember the story before the 96 masters that you would end up winning you get to the course late was it 57 minutes before your tea time normally yeah. you're an hour and 20 and <laughs> yeah, you're, you're was, catty I was, fanny i was, I was believe really it. Like, i was watching nascar <laughs> in the morning and i just and i said oh i guess i better go to the still not and then I, when i arrived uh fanny's her eyes at this picture Oh, we got 57 minutes. I said, yeah, I'm fine. Which was probably good for me because I just got on with it. Didn't have a lot of time to think. Hit a few balls, few chips, few putts. Right, let's go. 
so it, in a way that might have that might have worked out yeah yeah obviously did you get the win there um so that's the masters we covered a little bit of that i want to as we look ahead, my favorite, uh, the very first time at the Open Championship for me was 2015. It was your last one. You had your son, Matthew, on the bag that week. I, I'd imagine what a cool experience that was. But um, you know, how, what stood out from 2015, your final time there? Well, yeah, I wanted to go and play and have a great week. <laughs> we were all geared up and everything. And it all went ridiculously wrong. I, I had a physio there with me, brought him up from London. And basically, I had my physio and I, my shirt was on the table. And, uh, and I went like this to put my, no, it must be taken off. I can't remember, on or off. Went like that. And there's deer antlers on the wall behind me. <laughs> and I stuck the blimmin' antlers right in one of these two fingers. I can't, I'm trying to look for the scar. <laughs> it's that one, this fella. So I stuck the deer right in, and I could see it, and I knew instantly that is not good. Uh, yeah, it was that fella. And then I thought, well, I can't grip it. And I, that was, so I went down, and I thought, well, you know, the medical said, well, that's all right. You're only doing commentary. I said, no, I'm not. I'm playing this week. Well, we can stick it up a bit of this, a bit of that. And anyway, it was a disaster. Cut a long story, it was a disaster. I couldn't grip the darn thing. Had it all taped up. Couldn't play. <laughs> So I shot a horrendous first day, and then I went, and then, and then the second day we had all that rain delay. Yeah, three hours. Amazing. Oh, and I was and I was sitting at home going with my kids, and I go, look, I don't really want to go. I mean, we'll look at this thing, and they said, come on, George. said, well, come all this way to watch you play, and and so I said, all right, and so I went down to the hospital again, and then then they put up the tea times, and I'm at the hospital, I got sweats on. Uh, I got to get back to the house and get back. So everything was a mad drama. We had a whack a few balls. Nothing worked. We, uh, for medicinal purposes, it had a very large whiskey, very large <laughs> right. scotch. It had a very large scotch before we ran to the first scene. It worked. I shot seventy-one. <laughs> got to the got to the bridge. I birdie. I hit had a I'm below hole. the I'm below the ridge. On I hit a five word into. 17. <laughs> I'm on the front section over, and I did, honestly, I, had, I didn't have a clue. And I asked the golfing guys, I said, I need some help on this one. I really did. <laughs> and I went slap and it went, and it went in. I've made three at 17. My sweater was my famous yellow Pringle was in the bag. I put that on. Took, my picture, on him, yeah. took my picture <laughs> on the bridge. Um, you know, so that was my magical moment. I said goodbye. It was my hundredth major, so that kind of made sense. Didn't realize that until that week, till I got there. And that was it, you know. And so I really thought I was actually good enough to make the cut that week. I thought I could find a way around St. Andrews. So I was disappointed that, but it all did. I guess the big goal was to get on the Blooming Bridge and wave and and uh, and say thank you. So it all it all came out in the wash. Crazy story. Crazy. crazy. Why did things happen for a reason? Why do you completely stuff your hand up for a reason? I do not know. Do not know. Anyway, Still gratitude. I guess gratitude. I went through the whole of my seat, whole of my career, and I only, I think, I only pulled out twice in the whole of my career because of injury. So, as an author, that's whatever thirty odd years of golf. So it's a pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. Yeah, and St Andrews. 
really classic links golf course. And, and I think about you, I've heard you in the past talking about, it doesn't matter the number on the club, like get, get that out of your head. If you're a golfer, <laughs> doesn't forget about that play links golf. And, and I, I'm curious to you, why do you think it is that you had so much success at links golf here in the open championships? Well, I guess I, li I like doing all that calculations and as exactly you said, just, be just because it's, 170 yards people will say oh, i've got to grab this but it's either downwind and landing on a down slope and that could be you know then you've got to bring well 170 yards my landing spot could be 150 now easily one even 145 downwind and you think well that's that's a wedge now suddenly i'm hitting the wedge and then if you then miss hit your wedge and it misses the landing spot well then it ends up doesn't happen so you've got to hit the right shot and and you know other like Muirfield you then have to um you then have to bring that landing spot short of the green and they're doing this and you better know what that is gonna it's gonna affect you where you're gonna land it will it release so I loved all that and then of course it can turn the other way the breeze and your 170 yards is a darn good five iron you know landing yeah. it one trying to land it 165 to get it to stop or something you know it i just loved all that shaping the shots and 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 if you the better you struck it hit the right shape landed it where you intended with the knowledge it should do this gosh you put all that together and you hit good shots it you know there's less guys who can do that that's that's the real bottom line i'm sure that's how mm. jack felt at majors that there's only five guys really this week who can play good enough to win and um i think that's definitely how i felt if i play really good in tough conditions then there's only a handful who can really handle it mm. and speaking of handling it your first win in, in 87 at muirfield there you were in the mix like you're one back going into that final sunday so how were you able to deal with that pressure and, and handle it as you say well that was completely when you and you're in your really are in your own focus and we had a ridiculous day. It was pea soup, you know, foggy day, <laughs> freezing cold. You got four layers of cashmere on and your golf ball's flying nowhere, absolutely nowhere. And so you had to calculate all that as well and put that in. And that was very much sensing I had a chance to win. And, um, you know, staying in my moment. You know, Tony Jacklin called it cocoon. Now we call it in the zone. That really was my world. It was like, this is my little world. I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm still in there. I'm still, it was kind of like that. And I remember saying, oh, you know, that was the pressure. You, you know, oh, one great shot will win me this, and that means one bad shot will cost you it. And so it's like, oh, just keep it going. Just keep it going. One, we can keep doing good shot after good shot. And that's, and it all, you know, that's all I, all I tried to do. Well, you mentioned Tony Jacklin. You became the first English player since Jacklin winning that uh, Open Championship before that to, uh, to yeah. go on to win it. What did it mean to you to, to really close the door and get that first major there at Muirfield? Well, it was a, that was a combination of all that rebuild. You know, I, I, it didn't happen for me in five minutes, my career. You know, I came out on tour in, in 76, um, you know, then I'd make a, I got to European number one in 83 and then I go through the rebuild through 85, 86 and, you know, and then come out in spring of 87, different golfer. You know, so that's 11 years on from being a pro. And then I finally get my major. And that was my dream as a kid, you know, to win the open. 
to get yeah. me started. That's what, yes, what you said, you know, like the famous standard. And I did, I then I had a five footer this for the open. <laughs> so all those, all those little, all those lunch times at Wellington City hitting putts going, yeah, this to win you. And suddenly, ah, suddenly I've got one, I've got a real one. So um, luckily went in. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned uh, 76 starting off and then you get to the Open Championship, getting to St. Andrews finally for the first time in the Open in 78. Mm. And there you were in the mix. I know you didn't have your best Saturday, yeah. didn't have your best Saturday, but still you were in the mix. And talk about what the, how special was that? At the first time at the home of golf for the Open, what does that feel like? And then to compete well, too. Yeah, it's amazing. I loved it from the word go. I kind of. <laughs> I did because you know some people go oh, what the heck is this place but I kind of got it and enjoyed it straight away you know I finished four shots back from Jack so that was game was my when I genuinely said to myself I can win the open one day so that was my whatever the, the giving uh -huh. yourself the belief you're giving yourself the belief yeah this is doable this is a goal this is a genuine goal I know I could handle that so obviously that took what nine more years later till it till it happened after that well it's interesting the 150th coming this year and i think about the highlights that you were a part of uh, the open championship history of course your wins but i'm curious with saint andrews or even with other other friends like sebi was there anything any story come to mind behind the scene when he won at saint andrews that because you were in yeah. the mix that year as well in 84 yeah I, yeah i messed up on saturday i had a lousy Saturday so I was I was in there all the time and then had a poor Saturday and then a good Sunday so I was I was there on that one um but that's what consent Andrews can do you can you can leave yourself underneath you know you there's so many humps you can be un, behind a hump into the wind and you've got to hit it low but you've got a hump in front of you I've never, never forget that one time. And, it's, and it becomes really, well, it's impossible. It's like, I don't have a shot. I want to hit, I want to hit a four-run here. I've got a four, I need a four-run, but I've got a hump in front of me. So what the heck do I do? I, as soon as you hit it high, it's up in the Scottish, and it's, the ball's gone. And you've just got to keep it close-ish to, everything gets accentuated at St. Andrews. Like if you miss a shot on a normal goal, because it finishes 30 feet from the hole. You know, there it finds a way to finish 30 yards from the hole. Yeah. It really does. It really does. You're, you're, so you have to accept that you have to be really good at putting from 20 and 30 yards away, you know, which is basically 100 footers. <laughs> You'll get a couple and you can't get wound up. About, you've got to find a way, get it inside six feet and knock that one in. And, um, you know, and those greens are, hundreds of years old that grass it's amazing so they, they they've got you can sometimes read and they got some have still have old ruts in them you know <laughs> that that fifth green there's some spots there and you have to look and go the green's doing that and i can literally see a little groove and you go like, well, i gotta just send it down the groove so uh, you need a good eye to find the, the true line on those greens mm. well outside of your wins though it in the open championship history what what sticks out to you was it seeing Seve win was it seeing jack nicholas what, what are a couple moments that you're like well, wow, I, I, yeah, I love all that. of them well all of them early days um you know watson's wins crumbs you know he wins i was there at i was there watch i was in the grandstand 75 when watson hold that putt to tie in the you know 72nd hole i can't 
I'm sitting right there, coming right at me. So things like that, I sat and watched him on the range back in the day when he could literally sit on the ground behind him and he's raking over and hit a bag of one iron. So that was, I never, you know, I never forget that. Moments like that, you know, and I played decent at Troon when he won again. So all those were, you know, I, I knew I, I knew I was comfortable playing the Open. That's the cool thing. So, um, yeah, and I loved the um, intensity of it. It made me, made me play better. And I and I had lots of good finishes, you know. Yeah. Before I started, before I started winning, you know. Yeah, that's right. In the lead up to it, then you get there in 1990, and it, it was really a crown jewel. I know that your coach David Ledbetter was saying you, you, it was your mission to win at St Andrews, yeah. and so when you finally did do it, what what did it feel like? What did it mean to you? Well, I could enjoy that. Yeah, I went there on a mission. You know, I, you know, we, that was all brand new. Fanny Sinison was on the bag, you know, started in 1990. We win the Masters. And then I hit the hole at the US Open to tie. And I really went to St. Andrews on a mission. And, and I knew that I had to be one guy. And it was Greg at that time. And the weather was nice. It was, course was just difficult enough that, you know, all I talked about, you know, and my iron shots were great. I had lots of really good iron shots that week. And, uh, and well, yeah, the, the mission was to, the mission was to go out and shoot 67 every day. That was the mission. Set that as a goal, as a number. And, um, and then came up 18 with five shot lead. So I could actually really look around and enjoy it. You know, soak up that whole feeling. Yeah, and they always say that the the walk up of the 72nd hole at the Open is the greatest walk in golf. So when you're doing it at St. Andrews, and you, like you said, you're walking, you're looking yeah, at the town, the yeah. people, how does that feel? Well, it all happens in a blur, but it's really nice when you can sit here and still see the crowd coming, and Fanny and I ran through the crowd and, and then got onto the green, and you know you've won, and... Um, you know, and I had my first putt down and I turned and, and they led everybody right to the front of the green. So I, as I looked down at all these eyeballs right in front of me because <laughs> of the angle. And, you know, you, it was, it was fantastic. All of that, you know, the, the walk, the winning, we had the red arrows flew by the clubhouse and it, Hey, I was in a great place in my career. I was playing great. You know, I've just won two majors, two out of three. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, and you're on top of, you're on top of your game, which is rather nice. Well, you had talked about bounces, how they can just roll out to 20 or 30 yards at St. Andrews. And you had called it one of the most strategic golf courses yeah. that you can play in the world. And, and is it because yeah. of those bounces or, or what else comes to mind? Well, yeah, all the slopes, um, you know, angle into the greens and so many slopes and ridges and rolls and all sorts of things. You know, and as I said, you've got to, when those greens get firm, which they should be, and you're on the breeze, then you've got to do, you've got to really calculate that. It's going to, it's, it's really going to land here. It's going to bounce to here and then it's going to run to somewhere else. So that amazingly, some hole, you know, like coming down that seventh green, even with a wedge, that can be 25 yards. 
So you've got to land it 25 yards, probably in, away from the flag. The flag's there and you think the gully comes down and I can't do, go there. So you land it in a spot and feed it in. And that's amazing how you, there's nothing like that. You know, you land 25 yards of a wedge on a normal, any, anywhere else, and that's well and truly missing the green, isn't it? Well, it's not going to get to the flag. So it's all sorts of things like that. And you're playing on ground that can be absolutely silver, rock hard. Um, you know, just dust comes up. Um, all those things are, are great. I mean, so you've got to be a great ball striker to play a, to play a links course. Yeah. And there are going to be fans that are looking at and figuring out, should I go to my first time at St. Andrews this year, you know, this summer, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Well, what do you say to those fans that are kind of on the fence as to whether to go? <laughs> well, I think the atmosphere, I think the atmosphere, obviously being, I think they're probably planning some celebrations through St. Andrews through the town. I think the atmosphere will be amazing. Um, and walking, you know, St. Andrews is a tough walk for the fans because they're a long way away. So you need to pick your spots. But mm. I think the yeah. fact it's, I think it's, you you would you wouldn't want to miss the chance that, that I was at the 150th Open. I think they're going to make a real, a real wonderful uh, experience out of it. Yeah, absolutely. For for me, it wasn't in 2015. And then you look at obviously the field's not all the way together yet, but we know some of the bigger names. What would who what guys really stand out as to, as to maybe they would play Sanders well that would have a chance at that course? Well, we we've got a very interesting thing now with obviously how far they're hitting it. Right. I mean, if you we've now, I mean, poor old St Andrews really is at the mercy to these longer hitters, and you know, we you start thinking the taking a little bit to the ridiculous if you've got the right wind if you went out with some helping wind and came in with some helping wind um i won't it will i it will not surprise me if somebody has a go at the first because if you can land it on the wind, over the bird yeah i got a feeling because if you land it 320 or 330 or on a rock hard fairway the next bounce will be 360 or 70 you know somebody will have a go Somebody would go and you would knock it on the back of the first in what well, even, and we were even saying, well, even if you hit it in the burn, you'll only be 25 feet from the flag. You just drop it there. And so, so, so we're getting a little concerned at how close either on or really close. If you had the right wind, you remember how close they even got at the second. You can definitely drive the third. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for five, you'll get way down there. You know, you could get so close you could putt it. Um, sorry, six you could get so five's above. Let me start again. Let me start again. <laughs> so, you know, one somebody could have a go, two you get very close, three obviously you can drive, four and five no, six you could get it way down there, way down there. So you could be putting seven, you could find a way to knock it on the 11th green and run it down that way. Obviously, nine and ten you can drive, 12 you can drive already. If you've got the right wind at 15, it's all down the chute, way down. 16 would be crazy, but you can get up very close to that. And of course, 18. I mean, it's anything from, it's anything from nine to 12 greens you could get really close to in 
one, which if somebody got the right wind, somebody got the right wind going in and out, helping everywhere, basically, uh, it, something crazy could happen at the St. Andrews. Something crazy, i.e., because somebody shoots 60 or 59 there, if it all were. The only protection is the wind and obviously really firm greens and maybe some very tight hole locations. I think they're going to have to think about it because I don't think we really want um, crazy, crazy scoring. It's an, you know, so on, such a, on such a gem, you know. Right. Well, so who, whose games look positive for that course? Because I think about maybe it's the bombers, maybe well, it's, the Bryson, it's the drivers, right? It's the, or? It's, it's the drivers. If a lot of guys can drive it really well, I mean, a long way and make it either run. I mean, you got some guys who hit it sneaky long. I mean, who who hit it low and, and actually run it out there. Uh, that I like that guy. The guy gets it on the ground and runs it because you could you could be getting. 60, 80, 100 yards on some holes to run. It, it, you know. So I like that guy. The guys who can drive it well, wow, they, it might end up just being drive and whatever you need to do to get it onto the green. That would be bump and runs, or you could, as I said, you can putt it from 60 yards off a green St. Andrews on a couple of holes. This might be the right club. You know, it's so. Uh, uh, who knows? Maybe the weather will be rough, and because uh, when it plays a little cold and windy, there you can get the absolute opposite when you're into the when you feel like every hole is into your face. Um, then it actually plays pretty tough. So I think they will be praying that it plays tough that week. Yeah. I mean, you've mentioned Morikawa at, at Augusta. I mean, is he a good fit? Obviously, he won the Open and last I think year. That, I think there's, there's too many guys who hit it really long. There's, there's the three twenty yard club and up now. <laughs> DJ, yeah, yeah. I mean, DJ Rory. DJ Rory. I mean, Rory's swing is looking fabulous right now. I mean, it's good. I think the driver is key. Wow, stand up and boldly go, and then be a great little scrambler. And you might all your scrambling would be right in front of you. Really will. So I think there's there's a lot of guys who can can do that. Hmm. Um, you won in '92 at Muirfield, and obviously that was it was a five shot lead. I believe you took into the final round. How special four, was it? Four. Was it four? Okay, yeah, four. it was five. You had us in Andrews. Yeah, but four. Um, but four shot lead going in the final round. How special was it to, to close that off and get that? Well, that's well, what I made a mess doing. of it. Yeah, I I found out what it felt like to blow it uh you know i went to the right to the knife edge of you know i just kept frittering shots away without just by silly mistakes you know i three-parted 13 i then blocked a tee shot at 14 i think i went with one iron even and i blocked it and hit in the bunker and that sort of thing and i kept going back to the bag to fanny and going i'm all right i'm all right i'm just <laughs> screwing up i'm all right it's not like i'm choking I just kept making mistakes, making life. And then I managed to, you know, I gave myself a good talking to from 14th green to 50. And it's funny, I just said, forget everything. It's gone. It really is history. It doesn't matter. It just almost like it hasn't even happened. 
I said, you've now got four holes to play. You better play the best of your life. And I just about did. The five iron and the four iron or three iron I hit on on uh, 15, 17, and 18. A five, four, and three were the three best iron shots of my career. And um, so I managed to you know, finish two under for the last four and, and snuck in. So I, but I, I would have then known what it, was, what it was like to really blow a, a major. You know, I've lost majors, uh, but I'm not scarred by the losses, fortunately, which is very nice. But that one I would have been because I was world number one. I'm leading by four. Everything's going to plan. And I, I screwed it up for most of the round. Well, you came through. You got your your third Open Championship that week. I've got two more quick ones before I let you go. Uh, I know your good friend, Seve Ballesteros, sadly passed away in 2011. So it's been yeah. 11 years. Hard to believe. One of my favorite stories you've ever told. Nick is when he was in the locker room and he's like, guys, all right. He, he has the pep talk. He says, don't hit it in the trees. Oh, don't no, hit it in the bunkers. No. You've got to tell us that story. How <laughs> animated your good friend got. Yeah. So that was a Ryder Cup. We all arrived yes. at Valderrama and um, we have our very first team meeting and Sebi's okay. He says, I just want you to relax, have a good time, play well, you know, he said, just, uh, just, it's just the Ryder Cup. It's not so important. You know, I just want you to, you know, it's beautiful weather. No big deal. Home, it's home and country. Just enjoy, you know, have a good time. <laughs> so, so then we went through heck. heck through, you know, we had the third wettest, you know, it only rains in Spain on the mainland. The play, oh my God, we had the third wettest, second and third wettest ever. <laughs> we were on the blemming whatever Friday and Saturday. Naturally. Chucking it down. And so we, we, were, we were doing a 16-hour day trying to get five hours of golf in. Unbelievable. Anyway. Anyway, so we're doing great. There we are. We're right in it. And then, then suddenly, it was so fun. Saturday night. <laughs> he goes, we have the win. <laughs> he, says, he says, I don't want you to hit. I don't want you to three putt. Don't hit it in the bunkers. And don't hit it in the trees. On the right at number 16. It's simple. So that was it. But it was it was weird. We have to win. <laughs> so it was completely, um, and we did. So anyway, it was a good. It was a good pep talk. It worked. <laughs> it completely flipped the psychology. You went from boys oh, have yeah. fun. Well, it, it was, no, it's dread, dreadful psychology. <laughs> now you don't three putt. Well, you don't hit it in the bunkers. You see it going, and then don't hit it in the tree because we all visual people. Yes, like everybody, it's no service. Knock it on the green, knock it in the hole, and hit every fairway. Okay, that's what you want us to do. All right. Yeah, and of course, Sevi, really the heart of Team Europe, even today, the inspiration that he provides. Team yeah. Europe now, going forward, what do you feel like Team Europe needs to do to really uh, keep things Wow. Going? Well, you know, America's wanted to turn things around. You know, Europe had had a great run. And, uh, you know, they really did outplay... You know, everybody looks at um, what do they call the when they came with the the new team after. So here's the bottom line for me. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm still old, sorry I'm still old school. You know, at Glen Eagles, America were 88 under par, and Europe I think were 104. I did the maths. That's why Europe won. And at <laughs> 
And at uh, Wearsling Straits, just about opposite, even more of a stretch. I can't remember the numbers off my head, but it's again, Europe were 85 under and America 110. So I'm afraid that's where it lies with me. It doesn't matter about coaching and pods and whatever. You know, America got on a roll. They loved it. Europe had a, did have a tough time. You've got to give them that, you know, with COVID. It's very difficult to play. It's difficult playing away anyway, but when you haven't got real support, you know, when you really are outnumbered, probably 20 to 1. There's 50,000 people out there and there was only 1,000 Europeans there, really was. So that was tough on them. And America got on a roll on a, on a very kind of American-style you know, linksy course. It's not a true link. So it's very much about the carry uh, across all the corners, which is very American golf. So it was, they, they had all the advantages. Um, so the future, you know, we're going to see another big change of, change of the guard in Europe. That's, that's the thing, you know, when you've got the, you know, more than likely another two years on the, you know, the, well, you know, the Westwoods and where will, where will Garcia be? I'm trying to think of the Polters. Gosh, there, there will be a change of guard. And uh, so Europe's got to find that. They've got to find a bunch of 25-year-olds who are ready to compete for the Ryder Cup. That's, that is going to be the real test, I think. Um, and then uh, Italy is a different... Italy will be... Well, you'll still have great atmosphere because you know everybody will go to Italy. It will be a, it will be a great atmosphere, and the probably be the best concession food in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go and get fat that week. I just want to go and eat everything. You know, I don't. I'm not going on any diet. I want to be there so I can just eat. It's going to be fantastic. So uh, um, that'll be good. It's very close to Rome, so it, it will be uh, it'll be cool. But I think Europe have got to come up with uh, they've got to find half a dozen names that people won't know, really. Because, um, you know, we lost Molinari and Fleetwood. They mm. went very quiet off the Paris. Um, so there was a lot of damage to the... We, we went from having that strength of partnerships to then struggling with the partnerships, you know, really everything, you know, and again, you know, our best player Rory had a rough week, so nothing clicked for anybody. So that, you know, it was a, it was an uphill battle for so many of them really right out the gates. That was, that's the tough thing. Um, so, yeah, I think Europe needs to, uh, it will going to be a refreshing new team bottom line i think it'll be exciting to watch uh next year with with the Ryder cup but hey sir nick i appreciate your time joining me here on beyond the clubhouse cool. thanks for taking some time and chatting a little open championship all right enjoyed it thank you so much all right my thanks to nick Faldo for joining me on beyond the clubhouse i, I thought there's some really good stories there of course the sevy story was awesome about the Ryder cup uh, the story there getting late in 1996 at the Masters was also awesome as well. So I hope you guys had a blast listening to it, and we'll catch up soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse.